biology. 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 Welcome back to another episode of the HSC Biology Podcast. Today we are continuing through Module 8 and the dot point we're looking at is investigate the various mechanisms used by organisms to maintain their internal environment within tolerance limits, including trends and patterns in behavioral, structural and physiological adaptations in endotherms that assist in maintaining homeostasis. So this is really a continuation from last lesson where we spoke about the way in which temperature and glucose are regulated. Now they would be considered physiological adaptations and so we're now going to go through the different types of adaptations and give you a few examples of endotherms that use them to maintain homeostasis in different ways. Alright, let's do a quick recap of definitions before we get started. And the first one is an adaptation, and an adaptation is any feature that's going to enable an organism to survive and reproduce in different environments. And there are three different ones we need to look at today. A structural adaptation is going to be some physical feature of the organism that's going to enhance its survival and or reproductive abilities. Um, and so there's many examples like having spines or fur, but we'll go through some specific ones for this dot point. A behavioral adaptation is going to be the way in which an organism acts to enhance its survival. So this is going to be something that it does in order to make sure that it is surviving. And then we have physiological, and that's what I said we spoke about last time. These are internal processes that regulate and maintain homeostasis, ensuring that an organism does survive. And so we have a number of different examples for each, but remember that we need to bring this back to maintaining homeostasis. One mistake my students often make here is uh, giving adaptations like you know long claws or sharp teeth, um, but they have to link back to homeostasis. So. I'm going to give you uh, three animal examples today, and it will cover each of these structural, behavioral, and physiological adaptations, and then I'll link it back to homeostasis. So remember that any when we're talking about endotherms, those are the uh, creatures or organisms that can regulate their own body temperature. So mainly we're looking at endotherms and the way they keep temperature constant because that's what we need to do. So obviously a human is considered an endotherm, and so anything that you do to maintain homeostasis would also be, you know, acceptable in an answer with anything to do with this question. So any way in which you maintain homeostasis, so we talked about temperature regulation last week, that is a physiological function that we do to maintain homeostasis. So just be aware that you can use a human as an example here. Now I'm not going to do that, I'm going to use uh, different animals because it does say in endotherms. So I'm going to give you three examples of each and hopefully they will help you to construct a well-rounded answer if you're asked to give examples. And so the first one we're going to look at is a kangaroo. And they're a great example of an endotherm that has a number of adaptations to ensure they maintain homeostasis. So as an Australian creature, they obviously live in a hot, arid environment. They're going to need many things to maintain their temperature levels. So we're going to run through some of their adaptations they use. So in terms of a structural adaptation, a kangaroo will have fur on the outside of its body. And this is going to help it to maintain uh, temperature when it's cold at night. It also has extremely large ears. 
And large ears mean that there is more surface area exposure to the environment. And that means that the capillaries that run toward the ears are able to exchange heat much more efficiently with the environment. So large ears are associated with animals that live in hot climates because it helps them to regulate or remove heat rapidly. Now, in terms of behavioral adaptation, something that a kangaroo does is a, uh, a simple one, is that they will move into the shade when it's too hot. And this is a common trait that most endotherms do, and kangaroos certainly do that as well. Now, a couple other behaviors that a kangaroo will do. Uh, one is that they can dig a hole uh, in the dirt, and by digging a hole, they're obviously attempting to get down to the cooler dirt underneath. And when they get down in that cooler dirt, they will then lie down or place their body on that cooler dirt to ensure that they're maintaining that temperature level internally. Now, one other behavior that they will do is that they will lick their wrists. So a kangaroo's wrist has a very high density of capillaries, and this means that it is a great site for exchange of heat. And so to enhance this process, they will lick their wrists and this adds water to their skin. And as you might have remembered from last week, we spoke about evaporative cooling. Well, that's exactly what will happen. That water will trap the heat coming off the kangaroo's body and then it will be evaporated away. And so the act of licking the paws is a behavior, but physiologically what's happening? Well, we spoke about vasodilation in a previous lesson, and that's what's happening in those capillaries of the wrist of the kangaroo. They are heating up, their capillaries are dilating, there is a high density of them in the wrist, and as they lick their wrist, that uh, heat exchange with the capillaries occurs, and we get evaporative cooling. So just to reiterate one more time, the structural adaptation that a kangaroo has to maintain homeostasis is they have large ears to ensure that they have good heat exchange with the environment. They move into the shade when it is hot or dig a hole and sit in that hole to remain cool. They will lick their wrists to add a layer of liquid to it, which will then evaporate away, which we call evaporative cooling. And the capillaries within their wrist will dilate vasodilation, which is the physiological adaptation there. Okay, so kangaroos are a great example that fit into all three categories. So the next example we're going to look at is a penguin. And they're great because they're a bird, but they're also an endotherm. And they have a number of adaptations to maintain temperature as well. Now, it's important to keep in mind that homeostasis isn't just the maintenance of temperature. And so I will give you an example of something that is not related to temperature, but it is certainly the easiest one to remember and still hits the mark in terms of the dot point. So with a penguin, they obviously live in a colder climate and they have feathers and a feather is a structural adaptation and they have a, a high density of feathers and they're able to trap heat uh, using those feathers. They also have a few unique adaptations that all link together here. They actually have no muscles in their feet. They actually only have these tendons that operate their feet and their toes. Uh, and this minimizes the exposure of their muscles to the cold environment because the proteins would actually freeze. And so they mainly have uh, just those flippery feet, which are made from uh, the same stuff that your hair and nails are made from. So a keratin-like material. And so that minimizes their exposure to the cold and therefore they're able to maintain homeostasis. In terms of a behavioral adaptation, a penguin will do a few different things in order to maintain that temperature. So the first thing they uh, often do is they huddle together. So you might have seen that on an Attenborough series where they all bunch together and it can actually get quite hot in the middle. In fact, it can actually get too hot up into the 30, uh, 30 degrees, which is quite incredible. 
And so the penguins will rotate around as they're in their huddle. Uh, and this shifts the, the uh, proportion of individuals around the outside closer to the inside and vice versa. So they're always uh, maintaining that internal temperature. They can also fluff their feathers up, um, which is uh, an added way to trap any warmth. So just like our hairs stand up on end to trap extra heat, they can fluff their feathers up as well. And they can do the opposite if they need to cool down, they can pull them closer. Now, a physiological adaptation they have is really cool. Uh, and we call it counter-current exchange. So you remember how I said their feet have no muscles? Well, blood still flows down there. And when it flows down there, it gets very, very cold. In fact, it gets so cold that if it came back to the main internal organs of the body, it would cause damage. And so the way around this is that the uh, capillaries that run down to the feet and the capillaries that run back up are almost side by side. There is almost no gap between them. Now, by sitting side by side, it means that heat can be exchanged between the capillaries really efficiently. So the hot blood coming down to the feet and the cool blood coming back from the feet are side by side. And this warms up that cool blood as it goes back to the internal organs. And this is really important. So the countercurrent exchange is a physiological adaptation that the penguins use to increase the temperature of the blood coming back to the internal organs. So a quick recap, a penguin has feathers, which it uses to trap heat. It has no muscles in its feet, only tendons, bone, and the keratin. As a behavioral adaptation, they will huddle together. They will also fluff up their feathers. And a physiological adaptation is that they will use countercurrent exchange to ensure the blood coming back to their internal organs is warm enough. Now, the final animal I'm gonna give is a whale. And a whale will do a few things in order to maintain homeostasis. So I'm gonna give you two adaptations it has to maintain temperature. And then I'm gonna give you one physiological adaptation that it uses to maintain salt and water levels in the body. Just in case you need a few examples of different physiological adaptations. And so in terms of their structure, a whale has blubber. That's the easiest one to remember. Blubber is a very thick fat-like material that insulates the whale from the cold water. Their behavioral adaptations is that they will migrate to cooler or warmer waters. So that's something that they do. They, they migrate to different areas. And so these are pretty easy ones to understand. Blubber, migrating to warmer and cooler waters. Now in terms of a physiological adaptation, they will do many things that we do to maintain temperature, but one thing that they have to maintain in their environment is salt regulation. Because they live in a salty environment, it's very important that they get rid of extra salt. And so we call this process osmoregulation. And it's a great example of the way in which a whale will maintain homeostasis of salt concentration. And the way that it does this is by producing concentrated salty urine and this maintains not only salt levels, but also optimal water balance, which are both important inside the whale. And so we use those processes as well. And when we talk about the kidney a bit later on in the term, that's another physiological adaptation that we do to maintain our water, salt, and a few other ingredients in our body. So that's an alternate example. So structurally they have blubber, 
Behaviorally, they migrate to cooler or warmer waters, and then physiologically, they can use osmoregulation by producing very concentrated urine to maintain that optimal water and salt balance. All right, guys, I hope that was helpful. And as always, make sure you check out STEM Reactor at stemreactor.com.au if you need anything in your school related to biotechnology. That's stemreactor.com.au. And if you'd like to help me out by buying me a coffee to keep me going on the podcast, you can head on over to buymeacoffee.com. Uh, slash HSC Biology Pod. Thanks. Bye.